It is January the 1st, 2017. Uh, can it be? Boy, that just seems strange, doesn't it? You know, I don't write checks much anymore. Uh, we write checks for just a very few things. Uh, several years ago, when we wrote checks for most things, what uh, I would do is sometime around this time, either going into the first of the year or maybe a day or two after, I would get my next checkbook. And for the entire first book of checks, I would go ahead and write down the new year uh, because I would forget and write the old year as I, in a tizzy, would write a check. And so if you still write checks, the sermon has been worth it for you tonight. You have your hint, right? 2017, you know... It truly just seems like yesterday that we were worried about all the Y2K stuff, doesn't it? Uh, we were, I was working with technology at Freed Hardeman, and of course anything related to technology had an awful lot of work and a lot of concern and nervousness as we approached the new year as to whether or not that new, uh, that new four-digit year beginning with the two uh, would work and what was going to happen. And I guess for me, that is one of the identifying years that just lets me know how quickly uh, time passes. Y2K, 17 years ago. Now I'm looking around, I've seen several younger who, who don't understand that the way some of the rest of us do. For you, I'm sure there are other identifying years that you look back on or maybe events in your life and you think, I just can't hardly believe that 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 has been as long as it uh, has been uh, since that particular time. Well, it seems appropriate to me today, tonight, to be talking about 2017 and time itself. And the title for the lesson comes from this passage from Joshua chapter 3, uh, verses 1 through 5, and especially uh, from verse 4. If you'll remember back, you go back to the book of Deuteronomy, to the end of the book, we'll see Moses as he uh, gives his last speech to the people and as he tells them uh, that he is about to die and hand over the reins to the new leader, Joshua, one of those 12 uh, spies who had a different report along with Caleb. And then we get into Joshua chapter 1 and we see Joshua taking over, Moses having died in the previous book. We get into chapter 2 and we see the second round of spies that go into the promised land, especially Jericho. And they go into the house of Rahab and they prepare to enter the promised land. And then we get to this passage in Joshua chapter 3 where we read, Early in the morning Joshua and all the Israelites set out and went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went through the, throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 cubits between you and the Ark, do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Now for a few weeks since I've known that I was speaking tonight, I kept coming back to this passage 
and especially to verse 4. You have not passed, as the old King James Version says, you have not passed this way heretofore. You've never gone this way before. And I kept thinking about that in relation to the year 2017. We've never done 2017 before. And then this week as I went to put my thoughts together and prepare the lesson, I looked at what we see here in verse 5 that I don't know that I've ever paid much attention to before. And I thought how appropriate to think about how we are going into a year that we've never lived before, that will pro provide for us both positive and negative experiences, some of which will be very unanticipated, and how we are to pace ourselves and how we are to place ourselves as we go into a new year. And when I saw that word consecrate and thought about the definition, I thought, this idea very much is the same. Because the idea is, as we go into 2017, a year of unknown, a year that may not even complete itself, because the second coming, possibly for some of us, because life will not continue for 12 more months, for us to consecrate ourselves, or to set ourselves apart, dedicating ourselves to a higher purpose. Well, let's look at this a little bit as we go on. It, in, it indeed is the case that time is a very intriguing thing. You know, I've never been normal. Nobody's ever wanted to accuse me of being normal for very long. And I remember growing up at a pretty early age, coming to the conclusion that looking forward to Christmas was a futile thing to do because I'd get so excited about Christmas wishing it would hurry up and get here and then it would come and go as quickly as I experienced it or so quickly and then it was over <laughs> you know what I wanted to experience so badly happened so quickly that it was kind of like, well, what's the point in looking forward to something that goes by so quickly that you don't enjoy it anymore? At least you're not looking forward to it. Now you're going, yeah, you are a weird kid, right? Well, yeah, I was a little bit. But it's not any different today in me considering and trying to understand this matter of time. Time truly is a strange thing. And it is the case and. A big part of what we're going to look at tonight is that basically all time is is what we have right now. It's the moment. It's what we have right now. And I think as this unfolds, we'll see that that's exactly how God wants us to look at it. For example, think back on your life. Just stop for a minute and think back of significant events. Think back of the good times, the bad times. Think of the birth of that firstborn or that wedding day or that day of your spiritual birth think of those moments that you wish you could go back and watch on video for those of us who are old enough to not have everything videoed and basically what we have is a snapshot of that event or those events we're not able to go back and relive them no matter how badly we would want to 
And you know, as I think back on those events, I think of the ones that I mentioned. I think of a state championship in baseball my junior year in high school when I hit a home run. Can I say that? You know, if I had the opportunity to relive a list of events, that's one that I would enjoy reliving. What a moment. But I can't. Can't go back. No matter how badly I would like to do that, in a sense, that is just a snapshot to me. And as we think about time, we understand that time is such a big deal with us. But I'll go ahead and put the next point on. What's interesting to me is, with us, with me, time seems to bind everything. It seems to affect everything. And in my feeble understanding, it's like with God, time has no effect whatsoever. You know, I had a discussion with my mom before she died. And I told her, I said, Mother, I think it's possible, and some of you have heard me say this, I think it's possible that when you step over into the other side, we'll be there. And she, in her very weak voice, said, I don't know how that could be because I'll die before you will. And I said, yes, I expect that probably will be the case. But I think with God, there is no such thing as limits in time. And I think once we step outside of this realm and into the side of eternity, that we are enough like God that there is no past, present, and future. Now that gets kind of head spinning. And I know that we want to apply all of these stories about the rich man and Lazarus and these discussions about paradise and torment, the Hadean realm. We get into this, but I guess in my strange kind of way, I kind of understand those teachings and those parables being very similar to the vision that John gave us in the book of Revelation when he depicted heaven as a place with streets of gold and gates of pearl. I doubt that they literally exist in that way, but God said, give them something they can understand. And if God were to try to give us a thought, an understanding, a picture of eternity that has no limits of time, what would we do with it? Because every filter we would apply to that would just be a filter in which we have to put it in the in the, within the parameters of time. We don't understand anything that doesn't go within that because everything to us involves a past and a present and a future. But look at some of these verses. Second Peter 3 and verse 8. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. Now, I've had some days that seem like they were a thousand years. So I can kind of understand that without going, I don't get it. But let's move on. Look at this familiar passage from Psalm 90, verses 1 to 12, and then verse 17. Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Now, just stop and think about that for a minute. And again, I'm making the case right now that time is a very intriguing thing. For example... I believe that the Godhead has always existed. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. 
So how if they have always existed basically with nothing but themselves, did they stop at some point in time when there was no such thing as time and invented time? <laughs> how did God who has always existed just suddenly insert the parameter of time. And is it not going to be the case that on the far end of that parameter that it will be undone and we'll go back to that period that existed before the period of time began? Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world forever backwards, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Think about that. You know, we can see the 50 years that seem like a day that just seem to have flown by, but with God, to me, it's almost as though He sees everything in a snapshot and nothing in the video format. Verse 5, yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. And let me mention before I go on that this is a psalm in which the psalmist is writing about a period of time that has not been good for Israel. They have fallen away and God is angry. And so the context here is this whole matter of time and how you look at everything. And if you unfold the whole picture that we see in the Old Testament of, of Israel and its fall, and the Babylonian captivity and the periods of the ups and downs and how during these periods of downs, God was so frustrated and how he would have considered or how the writer would have considered God surely being so frustrated that maybe he regretted making man because of what had happened. But then he goes, now wait a minute, God doesn't see just this point in time. He sees the big picture. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Oh, days may come to 70 years, our days may come to 70 or 80 years if strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. That's being a bit pessimistic, isn't it? Even the best of them include trouble and sorrow. Verse 11, only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. And verse 12 is the therefore. And then again, verse 17, the first therefore in verse 12, God, we disappoint you. God, sometimes things are hard. God, sometimes we don't understand your greatness. Therefore, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. And how do we apply our hearts unto wisdom? I think the answer to that is in verse 17. May the favor of the Lord our God rest on us. Establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish 
the work of our hands. What's he saying in verse 17? We got work to do. Let's get to it. There are things that need to be done. Let's get to it. And so in this intriguing factor of time, which seems kind of like something we can't do much about, and indeed we cannot, seems to me the best we can do is get to work in the moment that we have. With God, there are no limits of time. Therefore, wisdom to me seems to suggest that the way to deal with the mystery of time is carpe diem. Seize the day. Take advantage of right now. And from James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go into the city and buy and sell and get gain. Why, you, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? It is even a vapor or a mist that appears for a small time and then vanishes. It is even a vapor. Verse 15, instead you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Carpe diem. Seize the moment. Take advantage of now. Because that's all I have. Time is an intriguing thing. But the second thing we can see about the year 2017 is if history repeats itself, then we should expect the unexpected. We should expect the unexpected. We do not know what will happen in 2017. And the wise man said, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what the day will bring forth. We don't know what 2017 will hold, and we could kind of make some guesses. We know if the world stands, we'll have a new president in a few days. Uh, we know that if the world stands, gas prices will go up and hopefully down. We know that the stock market will do some things, and if we study that hard enough and know some trends, we could possibly somewhat predict what will happen. But if we truly were to sit down and say, this is exactly what the year 2017 will look like, we could not do that. Go back to the passage we looked at a moment ago, verse 14. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Or even for that matter, if tomorrow exists. Now this is kind of a hard slide to want to show. And in fact, I was a bit surprised when I had Rachel to pull these numbers for me that they were as small as they are. In 2016, we lost five members to death. And the interesting thing about that is when she pulled the numbers for me, there were only four before our good brother Jeff passed away. Five former members in the year 2016. And the number she gave me for the family members was 38 before Ramona's aunt passed away. Now I wonder what that number will look like for the year 2017. We don't have any way of knowing that. And as we look back on the year 2017, on this day, a year from now, what will that picture look like? What about the job changes? And Terry, I thought about you and your tremendous lesson this morning. I love the way you, you walked us through the Garden of Gethsemane and how to apply that. Thank you for that. Jobs change. 
some of those are good and some of those are bad. How many job changes will there be within our family in the year 2017 and on the positive side and the negative side? Unless this is a most unusual year, some within our family will hear that C word for the first time in 2017. That's a hard word to hear. And oh, how tired we get of hearing the C word. On the positive side, how many of us will get that phone call? It's possible that having two children that have been married two years now, one of them may call one night and say, guess what, are you sitting down? Well, we're not pushing that. We want them to learn to be married before they learn to be parents. However, if they push it a little bit, that won't be a bad thing. How many of us will hear that? You see, these are just three or four small things that remind us of the reality that we don't really know what to expect in the year 2017. But we do know how to win every battle. We know how to win every battle, and that is by staying close to the one who has power over every battle. And we might face the battles feeling as though Joshua and Caleb felt when they looked at those giants, when the other of the spies said, it's too big, I can't do it. And I don't know how many times I sit downstairs in that counseling room and I hear those words, I can't do this. I can't handle this. And trying to figure out a way to help them know that there's no giant too big for God is not always easy. The difficulty so often comes in our understanding what the victory means compared to God's understanding of what it means to be victorious. You know, when we take the emotion out of a loss of life, we, if we can do that, can kind of get a glimpse. For example, if I were to have the opportunity to bring my mom back, she's been gone since 2005. Oh, I thought I could do that, sorry. I'll be fine. If I could bring her back, I wouldn't. And for those of us who have lost people close to us enough, uh, or they have been gone long enough, we understand that. Because I firmly believe she is in a place that's far better than the place where she would be if she came back. Now, I wish sometimes I could, uh, I could Skype her. <laughs> You know, I'd kind of like for her to take that iPhone and kind of do a 360 with it. But God didn't intend for me to do that. And He didn't intend her, for once she was in the bliss of heaven, to need and want to come back. You, saw in the, you see, in the grand scheme of things, God doesn't view death the way we do. Not at all. Especially for those who are victorious. And he didn't expect us to see that the way he does. But again, the purpose of victory in God's picture and in my picture is just somewhat different. Isaiah 55, 6-11 Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And 
Turn to our God, for He will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You know, the thought I have as I'm reading this from the back screen and thinking about this is, I can just kind of hear God saying to me a few minutes ago when I was trying to explain my concept of, of time and there being no time on the other end, I can just almost hear God saying, Barry, would you quit trying to understand things you can't understand? <laughs> would you let it go? Just trust me. You know, and I expect I would come back with a, but God, I, <laughs> you know, you want me to understand this stuff. And he would say, not really. You just trust me. You just do what I say. Why? My ways are higher than your ways. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that ye have seeds for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Just trust me. Just listen to me. Just do what I say. You don't have to understand it all. What we can know is that these battles that we will face in 2017 will have God protecting us especially the spiritual battles. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There hath no temptation taken us, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer or allow us to be tempted above that which we are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. There's a concept there that I believe goes far beyond just these things that tempt us the most that we might think of when we read that passage. And that concept is God will not allow any battle to come our way that will defeat us if we are close to Him. Not even death itself will defeat us. No pain is so great to defeat us. No financial difficulty is so great to defeat us as long as we stay close to God. And number three, I want to encourage each of us tonight to determine that 2017 will be a growth year. A growth year. And for the purpose of thinking about that, I want you to think about where you were on January 1st, 2016. And I'm not really talking about where you were in terms of your physical location, but I'm thinking in terms of things such as financially. What did your portfolio look like on January the 1st? 2016 compared to today? Well, based on the market, hopefully it's a little better. What if there's no portfolio? Financially, where were we in our assets and debts? Where were we in our credit card statements or in our savings account statements? What about health? You want to talk about cholesterol counts? I don't. You want to talk about weight? You want to talk about where are we today? And obviously age has its factor, but are we working to take care of ourselves? What about family relationships? Where are we in terms of our family relationships? 
with their spouses, with their children, with their parents? Are we closer than we were a year ago? Are we growing closer together? Are we maturing in our relationships? Or is it possible that 2016 was a hard year in many ways? What about our relationship with God? I want to quantify things because I need to be able to see something. It's easy for me to say on a scale of 1 to 10, where is your relationship with God today? And if you can go back a year on a scale of 1 to 10, where was it January the 1st, 2016? In Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrews writer wrote of how the readers of this epistle were not doing so well because they basically were at the same place on January the 1st, 2017 that they were on January the 1st, 2016. They were not making progress. They were still on the milk and not on the meat. And they were scolded for doing so. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil, And as that passage continues on, the writer of this epistle says, we need to be growing. We need to be growing. And tonight as we think of the year that we are beginning on this day, January the 1st, 2017, I just want to emphasize two different things as we bring this to a close. We don't know what the year will look like. We don't know what to expect. We don't know what the unexpecteds are. But we know what it looks like in terms of God. He is with us. He will be with us. He wants us to develop our relationships. And especially to continue to develop our relationship with Him. How do we do that? Not putting off. How do we do that? Not regretting or rejoicing the past. How do we do that? Carpe diem. Seize the moment. As we sing the last two or three songs tonight, we need to sing them as though they're the only songs we'll ever sing. As we bow our heads and go to God in prayer, we ought to pray along with the leader as though that's the last prayer we'll ever pray. Now I realize in the reality of the situation, it's hard to get that high that often. It's hard to be that strong that often. It's hard to be that motivated over and over and over again. The other side of that coin is we can take things for granted such that we lose the moment and we lose the time. And in the process, we may need to get rid of some weight. Now, I need to get rid of some weight. But that's not the kind of weight I'm talking about here. Hebrews 12 and verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, those of Hebrews 11, the great faith chapter, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which just so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. So are there things that we need to get out of our way that are consuming to us? And in that great parable chapter of Matthew 13, we have two examples. The parable of the, the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. And as you scan down through these verses, what you see is 
that Jesus said, if you have a weight that's in your way of, of obtaining salvation, then get rid of it. And as we go into 2017, it may be that there are things we need to set aside. I've got one last poem I want to read, but I want to go back. In fact, I want to go back to this slide right here and say, make 2017 a growth year in family and in your relationship with God. Don't wait to have these taken from us to cause us to wish we had them back. Don't let these weights get in the way because jobs and school and difficulties are tools that Satan will use as he can to, to take away the things that are most meaningful to us. And maybe as you practice the New Year's process of resolutions, if you do, maybe if they're already listed tonight, you'll reconsider those and look for ways to make 2017 a growth year. He was going to be all that a mortal should be tomorrow. No one would be better than he tomorrow. Each morning he stacked up the letters he'd write tomorrow. It was too bad that he was too busy to see his friends, but he promised to do it tomorrow. The greatest of workers this man would have been tomorrow. The world would have known him had he ever seen tomorrow, but the fact is he died and faded from view and all that was left when living was, living was through was a mountain of things he intended to do tomorrow. We have no assurance of tomorrow, but what we have assurance of is right now. We have never been this way before, but we can be certain that things will be fine. In God's picture of victory, if we go this way holding God's hand, may we do it. Tonight we offer the invitation... If you need to respond, we'd encourage you to do so. As together we stand and sing.